Welcome to Backstage with Becca B with special guest Olivia Valley. Hi everyone and welcome to this episode of Backstage with Becca B. On this episode, you might have seen her on the second national tour of Wicked. She got cast in the ensemble of Wicked shortly after graduating college and was also an understudy for Elfba on the tour for almost three years. She also recently played her grandmother in an off-Broadway production of Jersey Boys at New World Stages Theater. Please welcome Olivia Valley. Hi. Hi. Thanks for joining me on this. Thank you for having me. Seriously. Of I'm course. So part of it. Ooh, let's fix that real quick. Do I look okay? Like, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, how are you doing? I mean, I just started this like a couple weeks ago. So it's like, I'm so honored people are believing in it. And so, I love that. I love that people are starting things like, you know, through this really terrible time. Yeah. Um, but how are you doing through this? It's a, quite a weird time. It's very weird. A couple months, it was a little difficult, but now I'm kind of getting into the swing. It's becoming normal. It's, yeah. I'm home with family now. I was in Los Angeles for the first couple months, so. I'm glad you're home. It's so, and because this is happening for such a long time, like we don't know when it's gonna stop, so it's good to just be with people. Exactly. It's yeah. the best thing for me right now and probably for everyone. Yeah, it, I'm home too, and I, I really couldn't get through this quarantine without them. Yeah. They're it, amazing. It would drive me insane to be in my apartment alone right now. Like, God, I would, I would lose my mind. I would lose my mind. Yeah, pretty much. I was losing my mind for like two months. But, but now here we are. Now everything's good. And I'm yeah. talking about theater again. And I love it. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I found a way. It's fine. I love it. It's so creative. And I, I, I love that we are all doing something during yes. this. It's you know what I mean? Wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what I would do without like some aspect of theater in my life always. Correct. Same. Yeah. Well, Same. anyways, speaking of that. <laughs> my, speaking of theater. Speaking of theater. My first question on my list is, uh, have you known that, always known that you wanted to have a career in theater? And if not, when did you like first realize that you wanted to be on stage and perform? I actually didn't know my entire life. I wanted to be a pop singer, huh? And oh. <laughs> so I always, I grew up listening to different pop artists. I literally only knew like Wicked, Rent, and Hairspray. And that was it for musicals. So that's how I found that out. And then it wasn't until my junior year of high school when I was playing Mama Rose and Gypsy, I was sensibly 40 years way too young to play the role, um, that I said, I really love telling these stories to people who feel so passionately about this as well. And so for me, I, I knew that I wanted to do it at that moment. It was like this very specific moment during Rose's turn. And I was just like in the moment, I was just like living my best life. And um, I like raised my hands and the audience stood up and I started to get a standing ovation mid song. And I was like, wow. And like, I just thought, wow, like I can't believe that people get so invested in this. 
and really feel this way and it really transports them to something that we don't see people just casually doing. And so um, that's when I knew that I wanted to do it. And I love just getting ready in costume. And I, I like to work hard. I'm definitely a workhorse. And so for me, this was a great way to practice that outlet of working really, yes. really hard. So that's how I got my uh, bug for theater. Wow. I mean, yeah. standing ovation, I mean, no question why you got that. No. <laughs> yeah. So, Thank yes. you. It was, it was just cool to, to experience that for the first time, you know? It was just really yeah. awesome. Well, I'm glad you got that so you got the bug kind of from that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, did you do a lot of theater in your high school or was that one of the only shows you did when you were in high school? I actually did theater throughout my entire time in high school. I tried it in middle school and I literally couldn't have cared less for it. Um, and I just felt like it was a little political cause it was, yeah. um, and I was really into sports and then it wasn't until my freshman year that like, cause I played lacrosse and volleyball. So I was playing volleyball in the fall and then we had the spring musical. So I auditioned and I was the only freshman with a lead part and I was Mrs. Potts in, um, uh, Beauty and the Beast, which is another role that I played way yeah. too early. <laughs> um, because if I'm, I'm not going to be a Disney princess, like I'll be Meg or I'm going to be the villain. And I'm here for it. Yeah. But I, then we started to do plays as well. So we did Noises Off where I was Dottie. We did a bunch of other plays that I don't remember. We did The King and I, which uh, in an all white school. Yeah. <laughs> I was uh, Lady Tiang, which is like an LOL moment. And like most kids in theater have that moment, but also like now looking back at it, it's like, all right. Like, yikes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do that one. Yeah. Um, then we did, um, then we did uh, Gypsy. And then my senior year, we did Wonderful Town, where I was this, where I was the lead. I forget her name because I don't remember anything. Um, I don't remember anything until I have to remember everything. And exactly. Um, but I was the sister, not the pretty one. I was the one that like I was Ruth. I was Ruth. Ruth. There you go, Ruth in Wonderful Town, <laughs> and that was cool because I actually like had to like dance, dance, and that was wild. So I, I. I my senior year of uh, high school, I decided that I was going to give up sports and go into, uh, <coughs> sorry, uh, go into theater. And not because I had the bug, just because I didn't have enough time. And I started to not care about sports. So. What was the first professional show you ever saw? Stomp. Okay, interesting. I saw Stomp, and I thought it was the coolest thing ever because I didn't know you can make sounds out of newspapers yeah. <laughs> and I love that stuff like I'm such a musical nerd and I love like the innovation that Stomp had and then my second show was Lion King and that was like unbelievable yeah Stomp was my first professional show but then professional musical musical Lion King unbelievable wow. It, that's kind of interesting because I feel like a lot of people's like first show is something like Wicked or something, you know? 
Yeah. You know, like half the questions I have on this list. <laughs> I'm still here for it. Yeah. Uh, yeah mine, mine was, uh, I, I definitely had an unconventional approach to, um, yeah. Theater, but also like Lion King's unbelievable. Like the things people do in those costumes is nuts. I loved it. I still love it. I saw it twice. I think it's I one think, of the best musicals. I think that was the first show I saw as like a child and I was like, unbelievable. It's always yeah. sold out. Like it's, oh, I'm obsessed. Anyway. And my grandmother took it to me, took me to it and I was like, okay. I like yeah. This is yeah. correct. I bet you were mind blown by Newsies and because oh, of the absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I was just like, how do these people dance and sing at the same time like this? Working up to like Wicked, how did you get the confidence throughout doing theater in high school and I'm assuming college and uh, to audition for a show like Wicked? Well, to be honest, I didn't really build up my real confidence until I booked Wicked. Um, when I was in high school, I was like, oh, maybe I can do this. Maybe I can do this. And then I applied to one school, which I don't recommend anybody ever doing, but it's expensive to audition for musical theater schools. I can you imagine. pay the audition fee, the hotel, the, the regular fee. The, I, it's just a lot. So I applied to Montclair State and I got in. I was one of 20. And at this point, I've never had um, any professional singing, acting, or dancing lessons. So it was a miracle that I got in. And throughout, high, throughout college, um, I was working very, very, very hard because I knew I needed to make up for lost time. Um, I knew that I could sing and I knew that I could act. Dancing, strong mover, here for it. Um, but then LOL, Jersey Boys, all I did was dance. So People are like, you're a dancer now. I'm like, no, no, please. Congrats. <laughs> let, me, let me sing and act for you and tell a wonderful story and sing a nice song. But um, when I was in college, there was a lot of, um, uh, there was a lot, I'm trying to think of the uh, polite way to say this. Um, there was a lot of um, young kids trying to find their place in a highly competitive learning environment where teachers also emphasized the competitive nature of our business, but in a toxic way. And that wasn't for all of the professors, but that was for some. And so I'll never forget, I, we just got out of acting for the singer and I asked a friend of mine, hey, did I do an okay job during this scene and he at this point thought he was the best of the best because he studied acting forever and he said i mean yeah you were fine you just can't act if, to save your life and i laughed it off but went home and cried and i said i'm not gonna let this get me down i'm not gonna let anybody see me suffer i will go in every single day and work my tail off. And that was kind of what I dealt with through college. It was, yeah, she can sing, but she can't act or dance, so good luck. And I instead didn't take any of it to heart, and this is kind of the first time I'm really talking about it, but I didn't take it to heart after that because I said, you know what, everyone's got an opinion. This is not a great learning environment sometimes. 
and I'm going to let my work speak for myself. And that's where, and I've always been the person to let my work speak for myself, especially because of who I'm related to. I want to be known as Olivia. Yes. I am Olivia. I'm, that's, that's the first and only thing people should know. Who I'm related to is just a really cool coincidence. Um, yes. And I built that reputation quite quickly in the professional world, but also in college. Um, people saw how hard I worked and towards senior year, we had an op, we had the option to not audition for the second semester shows to focus on showcase. And I was, me and my friend, Fiona, were, I think, were the only two people who did not audition so that we could focus on showcase. Showcase came around and I went from the girl who can't act and good luck trying to get a job to having 14 agent appointments through senior showcase. So I, but I didn't, I still was super self-conscious because you go to school for four years and everybody's telling you, including professors that, you know, good luck. You're not really going to be much. I had one professor really believe in me and he cast me as Trina in falsettos my junior year. And another role that I'm way too old to play. There's a theme. But um, for me, it was, he, he really helped me believe in myself enough to the point where I could go to a showcase in front of New York's top agencies, casting directors, and music directors, and say, this is who I am. And I signed with my agency. And while I was signing with my agency, I got an audition for Wicked through them. And I said, they're looking for an understudy. Do you think you want to go in? And I said, absolutely. So I went in and they loved me, but they didn't think I was ready. So a year later, I haven't booked a professional job. And so my confidence was really low. Everybody was booking summer stocks. One of my friends booked the Book of Mormon national tour. And I really was like, wow, I guess everyone was right. Why did I sign with an agency if I'm just going to be the girl that doesn't work? And I, it really took a hit on me. And then I finally got another, and I was getting callbacks. I was in final callbacks. I just wasn't right for things. Or uh, I don't know, they didn't think like I fit in the show. And I was like, then why'd you call me in? But they, Casting only finds that out until after they see people. So it was a year later and I'm in a wedding band and I had already done a 54 Below concert, which sold out. And then I was getting ready to do another 54 Below show. And I get the call to audition and all of a sudden I'm getting called back and called back and called back and called back. And I'm at my fifth callback and it is with um, Emily Schulteis, who, um, uh, and so it's just her and I in finals and we're dancing with um, one of the associate choreographers, head choreographers. I don't know her title anymore. She does a lot for the company though. Yeah. But um, so I go and audition and I do get my final call back and I'm walking out with Emily and I, we both go, how cool would it be to be cast in the same show at the same time? So I'm walking 254 below. Oh, hello fire truck. And I get the call that I booked Wicked. And Emily messages me and goes, I've booked Wicked too. She got cast as a standby. And I was like, this is the coolest day ever. And so my concert sold out and I have to tell my boss, who's my saxophone player for that show, that I have to quit his band because I booked Wicked. But it wasn't until I got into Wicked and started rehearsing and 
rehearsing for Alphaba specifically that I went, wow, I really can do this. And all the people who doubted me in college still talked all their ish, still talked it, but I didn't care because the proof was on the pudding that I worked hard and I did what I needed to do and I will continue to work hard. And now most of their opinions have changed, which, you know, we've also grown as people. So, you know, that we've all in theory have grown out of that um, competitive college mentality. So it really wasn't until I was in Wicked that I built the confidence that I have now, but it was hard and you know, it's not an overnight thing. And I think for anybody who's auditioning for a big show, just know that they called you in. So they want you to be good. They want you to succeed and you have to trust yourself and your talent enough to say, I can do this and this will take me where I need to go whether it's this audition or the next audition or the same audition a year from now. Yeah. And it's like an automatic mindset thing that people are work that people are against you when they're really not. Yeah. Like they're all sitting there and they're like, just, yes, we want you to be good. Nobody wants to see a, an audition or bomb. Like yeah. that's like the worst thing ever. So, you know, I, I, I think, and if you're auditioning for someone that wants to see you fail, run out of that audition room. Nobody, nobody oh, wants, I don't want to work for somebody like that. It's terrible. So you were pretty young when you got cast in Wicked because it was right out of college, right? Yeah, I was 22. And have you been one of the youngest Alphabas, I feel like? I think I might be one of the youngest understudies, one of the younger yeah. women to have played Alphaba. I know that Emma Hunton played her when she was 18. Um, so I'm like, I'm like in that realm of like being super young and being cast in the show as, uh, an alphabet cover, okay. whatever. Yeah. And you also had to learn like the dancing and stuff cause you were in the, in the ensemble. Yes. So was that hard, easy? How long did it take you to pick that up in rehearsals? For me to pick up because my track, my ensemble track is like difficult in some ways but not so difficult in other ways. Mine was a lot of like memorizing traffic because I would do a lot of like weaving in and out of people because I wasn't yeah. like dancing super hard. Um, but my track vocally was also difficult. Um, but I picked up my ensemble track within a week of rehearsing. I like literally, I, I remember like, I learned my entire track in like three or four days and then we just spent the rest of the week solidifying it. And then we worked on Alphaba and I have a really weird brain where like, I don't remember characters of shows I played in college, but like, I remember everything in my ensemble track and in my alphabet track. And so it took me about a month to really nail both. Like, and I, I, it really was put to the test for me when I had my debut weekend. So we had a nine show week and I was in my ensemble track for the whole week and then Saturday morning I was Alphaba, at night I was in the ensemble, Sunday morning I was in, uh, I was Alphaba, Sunday night I was in the ensemble and then Monday night I was in the ensemble and going, do, doing that switch seamlessly um, took work but it was nice to know that I could adjust very quickly to it. So it really didn't take a lot of time for me, it really did take a month for me to have it in my body as second nature. And who did you go on for when uh, you were on as Alphaba at first? 
And what was your reaction when you got the call or when you got like the message that you were going to be on as Alpha for that show? Um, did I go on four? Yeah. Um, oh, Jessica Vosk was our Alpha oh. at that time. Queen, queen. I love her. I adore her. Um, so I found out and I knew like a couple of days in advance but not like long like this wasn't like a okay get ready like it was like a hey there's a possibility just have your friends and family know and people came and I got to tell them like a day in advance and it was really cool and then I got to tell my friends another day in advance and so I, but I was I was terrified at first because I waited a year to debut um Emily Schultz is a powerhouse. She was a powerhouse standby. She never called out. She was amazing. Wow. And so she finally did call out and it was finally a, a weekend where I got to go on. And the first show I was nervous, but not because I was underprepared, just because I didn't know what it would be like to do the full show with a full company also doing their show. Yeah. Um, but Everything went really smoothly, thankfully. Um, I got some notes about some personal things. Um, and then the next show, I just felt ready. And every time I went on after that, I was like, okay, let's go, let's do this. I'm ready to do this. Yes. And so it really taught me a fight or flight instinct. And it was definitely fight, a lot of that. But then you fly it. <laughs> yeah, and then I fly it's it. Insane. It's insane. Yeah. At the end of, yeah. Is that scary? By the way, um, I, we, I had to do a pre-flight rehearsal right before my put-in, and that was the first time I flew, and that was terrifying. Um, and then after that, like, it is literally the coolest feeling in the world. <laughs> I cannot describe it, but it is so empowering to, like, be singing these big notes while ascending and then, like, landing. And, like, you're like, I'm in the air. This is nuts. And you have to, like, belt 14 feet in the air. It's wild. But it is... It's honestly the thing I looked forward to. One of the things I looked forward to the most in the show. Um, that No Good Deed and Honestly I'm Not That Girl is one of my favorite songs to sing. So that was a song it's I really underrated. looked forward to singing as well. I'm Not That Girl is so underrated. <laughs> it is. People are like, oh, and I'm like, no, this is huge. What are you talking about? Yeah, they're like, just because it's not like a belting song or like the powerhouse vocal song. I feel it's, like people are it's like, a hey. different look into Elphaba's psyche and it looks yeah. into it looks past her defense mechanisms it looks at who she really is as a factual approach which is heartbreaking like she knows like who's gonna like me who's gonna who's really gonna like me yeah it's so, like it. the beginning of the love triangle yeah like, seriously yeah. Yeah. yeah and her friendship going haywire with with Linda yeah absolutely yeah. How do you make a character like Alpha your own? Because it's a role that so many people have played before. And like, is, yeah, yeah, it's, it's hard. At first it's hard because when you, when you cover Alphaba, when you're the standby for Alphaba or when you are Alphaba, you are directed within an inch of your life to do every single thing because it's been running for so long. Yeah. It wasn't until like six months into my rehearsal that I was like, I'm tired of trying to be like everybody else. I said, there is so much of me that resonates with Elphaba. So why don't I just put me into Elphaba and how Olivia would react? And if my directors don't like it, 
I'm just going to get some direction to change it and just take a different approach to still how I would react, but through the voice and the body of Elphaba. And that was really when it clicked that I just needed to trust myself in my storytelling and how I resonate with Elphaba because she is such a, her and Glinda, like there is an Elphaba that lives inside all of us, male or female. And we all feel misunderstood and we all feel like we are not wanted and we all at one point. And so I just said, you know, she's such a universal character that why can't I take this big grand thing and put it back into myself and trust that what I have, the way I want to tell Alphaba is going to be good enough because I resonate with her. So it took a lot of trusting myself and just being bold and saying like, I'm just going to go for it. And this is going to be really wrong and they might really hate it. But all the times I thought it was going to be really wrong and that they were going to hate it. My bosses loved it the most. It's like the times when you judge yourself the most is the times when, yeah, everyone when loves you and you're like, strikes. yeah. And you performers yeah. are tough on yourself. So. Oh, all the time. I'm yeah. the, my worst critic and everybody says it, but my God, I, yeah, I'm rough. I'm rough on myself. It's not right. There's so many people. I'm like the voice of like, no, you're amazing in LA theater because people are just ridiculously hard on themselves. And I'm like, no, I could never sing like you. And speaking of that, how do you work on like breath control and stuff for a role like Elfa? Because um, a lot of training. Yeah. A lot, a lot of training. Um, I give a lot of that training to um, college, to my voice teacher, Ken Magos, who I still study with, um, to the music directors who I worked with, Dan Michike and Adam Souza. They while I was on the road, both of them really made sure that I was breathing into the right spots, that I was being able to sustain it. But a lot of it had to do with what I naturally could do and then with their magic. Because like, you know, my voice teacher is unbelievable. Dan Mitchke is unbelievable. Adam Souza is unbelievable. And so I was so lucky to be with mentors who really knew what I could do specifically and have the knowledge to say, okay, this is what's going to work for her. And this is what's not going to work. Um, a lot of it is a lot of trial and error, a lot of trial and error. And thankfully I had a year, but then even after the year and after I debuted, um, I still worked really hard. My first show sounds completely different from my last show going on as Alphaba. And my last show going on as Alphaba sounds completely different to me now singing it. I, so I think for me, it is always a work in progress to sing it at a place where I can have it the most comfortable for me. And now I can sing Defying Gravity literally 10 times in a row and not be tired. But that took three years, three and a half years, four years of work. That's not something that, you know, a lot of people can magically just have. You well, know? It's thing a lot of people can put on their resume, can sing Defying Gravity 10 times in a row. <laughs> right. And you know, it's, it's hard. It's a hard thing. And there are days when I still can't do all 10, but I do it because we, my voice teacher and I get very nitpicky and we want everything to be calculated. That's the thing too. Yeah. When you sing big roles, not just alphabet, it, has to be calculated to a T. You can't just do it. You have to know where your breath is going, where your placement is going, so you can properly sing to a point where you can do a show eight times a week. What's the best thing about being green and the worst thing about being green? 
Best thing about being green is the prep before and wearing the costumes, literally the most fun ever. The worst part is trying not to sweat off all the green. <laughs> Have you ever gotten uh, green on the Fiero during As Long As You're Mine? Yes, absolutely. I right noticed, oh my God. <laughs> I noticed that during one show and I was like, John is licking his lips. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it is, it's so hard. It is so hard, especially when it's humid out. There's like quite literally nothing you can do. <laughs> and someone's well, like, sweating on you. Sorry. And it's yeah. green. I'm so sorry again. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're like, whoops. Yeah. My bad. I'm sure that happens all the time, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, if you, when you go back to Wicked, if you could pick your Glinda, who would you choose to be your Glinda? Oh, God, that's the worst question ever. I love all of them. Oh, God. You can choose, like, three people. It's fine. Okay, uh, Jillian Butler, for sure. I, I saw mean, this because that. Come on. She's amazing. God, we had our put-in together as Elphaba and Glinda, so we had the same put-in. And she's the best. I adore her. Uh, Carol Lindsay, because that was, oh, God, she's amazing. Yes. Um, I loved going on with Gina Claire. And then who else would I pick? Um, Amanda Jane Cooper. I always wanted to go on with her. She's precious. She's amazing. I, I never got to see her as women, but I would, have, I would love to. She's unbelievable. Oh, God, she's unbelievable. I love her so much. Um, oh, and one more. Brittany oh, Johnson. I would love yes. to go on with Brittany Johnson. Queen Brittany. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Need to see that. She was supposed to go on a lot before this whole thing happened, I think. God. Well, she'll be on again when this all opens up. Who knows when? It was like so many people I wanted to go on for a part were about to go on then quarantine started and Broadway yeah. shut down and I was like oh okay eventually uh <laughs> these days one of these days <laughs> what was your favorite part about being on tour what would you do on like your day off and what was your favorite city oh man ah oh, I have so many favorite cities to be honest um but I'll give you like a top I'll try to give 10 um, and these are not in order these are not in order um, New Orleans Boston Chicago Toronto LA San Diego um, sorry I have to think I really like Albuquerque New Mexico because I love mountains and I love like just like the weirdness of it but not like because it's weird it's just like there's like area 59 and like there's aliens and I went to this really cool interactive art museum called Meow Wolf and George O'Keefe who's my favorite painter um she has her museum there so that's seven that's seven. Oh my god uh Fort Lauderdale was wonderful um sorry I'm so sorry blah blah blah, blah. so that's eight that's definitely a, I had to make sure. Ooh, yes. sometimes math is hard. It is. Um, I, I think um, two other favorite cities that were my, oh, I really liked Michigan. Michigan was fun. It's a cute, never... cute state. Um, and then I think, 
I really liked, um, I really liked Orlando, but I think that's because we were really close to Disney and Universal. I, I also think that my favorite part of tour um, was trying all the different foods. I love, I love, I love food so much. I love food. Mm. And so I loved like going out to eat with my friends and I loved doing things like going to the 14,000 feet above sea level and hiking in the mountains and going to museums that I've literally wanted to go to since my childhood. Like the George O'Keefe Museum, it was a bucket list thing of mine since I was six years old. Um, I loved being able to go to Disney World and Universal and being able, and like Disneyland and Universal in LA and being able to have the privilege and the opportunity to even compare the two. Um, I loved being able to, oh, I also, I loved DC. That was a fun one too. Oh my God. I loved being able to play at the Kennedy Center in front of the president's box when Obama was still in office. He didn't go. He didn't go. It was terrible. (laughs) I wanted him to be there so bad. But to even have New Year's at the Kennedy Center and Christmas and have my family be able to fly out and experience the holidays with them in different locations. Um, I loved being able to do things that people dream of doing. And being able to share my experience of that with them and watching like the glow in their eyes, like, oh, this is not just what I imagined. It's real and people really enjoy it. Um, and then trying all the foods, definitely all the foods. Oh, my first time seeing Wicked was actually in Los Angeles in 2018. If you can imagine. No, so- it's okay. Listen, these things, these things happen. Not everyone's got it like that to spend tickets on Wicked, okay? But I'm so grateful that it was because that cast, listen, was the best cast imaginable. Unbelievable. Like, Jackie Burke and Kara Lindsay, 2020, please. Like but all of you as like uh, it's that was such a special cast. And honestly, every single cast uh that I did the show with was so special. And it really is a family. We are really all that we have. And you know, we're families, we fight and things happen, but we always come back to each other and love each other. So but that LA cast was so cool it was so great and i think i saw your last alphabet performance too yes you did so i was like oh my god she's so good what the heck (laughs) thank you that was me going i'm doing whatever and what i'm doing literally anything i want like you killed it and i remember i remember sitting around people and like watching everyone else's reaction after defying gravity people were like stunned (laughs) it was that was like it felt like the fruits of my labor finally like being shown off like I worked so hard to get that specific show to where it needed to be and it just felt like the perfect uh landing point for me at that time and whenever I get back into the show hopefully um one day um I can't wait to show the fruits of my labor even more like, and have that be the jump off point and then see where the landing point is. Like, it's just so cool. I, 
I'm a big fan of growth and I'm a big fan of always working and celebrating your hard work because I don't think we as people celebrate ourselves enough. I think it's easy for other people to shame and judge each other for doing that, but that's a reflection on them, not us. We deserve to talk about our hard work and also acknowledge that we are a work in progress as well. It's easy for us to go on Instagram and Twitter and compare ourselves to others and it's hard. And, and yeah, that's the thing, like social media, this generation, like, you know, and I sound so old for saying that, but like it, it, even when I was younger and first Instagram first came out, God, I'm only 27 and I sound like I'm 38. Oh, I'm aging myself so hard. Um, it was, it was still like, it was like the first time I really felt that comparison game, like everyone taking pictures down the shore. And like, I was kind of that weird kid. So I didn't really do that. Um, and feeling left out. And it was, it, this is, this, um, unfortunately, social media can be super helpful, but it also can be a huge crutch. And so to anybody watching who struggles with social media comparisons, remember that people are really only showing their highlights. People are using it mainly as a business model. So like, if you see them like, um, talking about their business a lot, like, good, celebrate that. But then we also, you know, acknowledge the fact that there is a lot to us that is not shown through Instagram. And I know that I only show my highlights, but I also deal with a lot and we all do. So, you know, I think that it is um, easy to get lost in the comparison game, but just know that everyone's journey is different and valid and unique to their own. Yes. And before I change the subject from Wicked, I feel like I have to ask who was the first Elfa and Gwenda pair that you ever saw? Katie Rose Clark and Teal Wicks. Um, I was in high school and I swear to you, I, oh, I still have my playbill. Hold on. Yes. What a combo. I, I have it. I, I, my Wicked playbill. I saw Wicked my senior, junior, senior year of high school may 2011 my senior year i went with a boy who cheated on me for six months oh, oh it's fun um he gave me paper plates for my birthday it was hilarious i mean and he's in high school like you know what yeah. he's doing like is it i i, I just had to I laugh i you know um it's all good now where he actually came to see me in um in Jersey Boys. So, we're cool. so I saw uh, Teal Wicks as Alphaba, Katie Rose Clark as Glinda, Kathy Fitzgerald as Madame Morrible, Tom McGowan, who I worked with as the wizard, and he was the wizard when I worked with him, Richard H. Blake, um, and oh, and Jenny Denoya was the Alphaba standby at that time, and Stephanie Torns was the understudy. Um, yeah. Jenny is still with the show. Yeah, she's a badass. Oh, here's a Jersey Boys thing. Hey! <laughs> Hilarious. Um, so, that's like, who I thought. The Jersey Boys and Wicked. Uh, when I was younger, there was this very specific picture painted of Times Square, and it's Jersey Boys and Wicked next to each other. And my mom was like, that's going to be you. And I was like, no. 
And then Jersey Boys closed and I was like, told you. And then Jersey Boys happened. And she was like, I told you. Yes. Yes. And uh, speaking of Jersey Boys, I read that you auditioned for a while for that. Yes. Yeah. I auditioned for six years when I was in, I auditioned through college for Francine on Broadway and Sarah Schmidt, who was the OBC Francine also closed the show which I thought was so cool. Um, get your money, live your life. Um, and I, but then the, the show closed and then I auditioned for the Francine, for Francine again, but also for the dance captain and big LOL. If we remember, I am a strong mover and that dancing is very hard. And then it wasn't until I left Wicked and two months later got a call to audition for Mary. And this was for the off-Broadway production which I would like to clarify, Off-Broadway is not a um, remark on the production value. It is quite literally a difference in seat size. So a Broadway house has to have 500 seats or more to be considered a Broadway house. And Jersey Boys had 499. So it's okay. still the same production quality, still the same amount of immense talent that pours out of these actors who I had the pleasure to work with. It is just a difference in seat size. It's a little um, more intimate. Yeah. Um, and then so I had a four-hour callback process and then finally booked it. Wow. Six Perfect. years later. So what was your reaction like when you booked it? Because you booked the part of your grandmother, basically. Someone you yeah. related to. Yeah. Yeah. She's literally my grandma. Like, we yeah. shared a room together. Like. Actually, so actually my grandma. Yeah. And I cried. It felt like it was like a finally, and I was also in disbelief, but I'd also booked a regional theater gig. So I was like, well, I guess I can't do that. It was, that one was my first audition back from Wicked and I booked it. And I was like, oh, cool. Awesome. And then Jersey Boys happened and I called my agent. Well, my agent called me and they were like, so I guess you're not going to take this regional theater gig because you booked Jersey Boys. And I was like, oh my God. But I cried and my mom cried and I called my grandpa and he cried. And it just felt like, and even when I joined, like, cause I know all the creatives, like I grew yeah. up with these people. Like I saw them and they saw me when I was in middle school for the opening of Jersey Boys. Like they've watched me grow up. And still I had to work my tail off to even get an audition and then get the part. I would like to know that. Note that too. Yes. Um, but I, they, everybody was like, well, it's about time you're here. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> so it was cool because it felt like for me, I got to know Jersey Boys in a whole different perspective. I knew it from my family and I knew it from being an audience member, but then I got to know it through being a company member. And it was just so special and so wonderful to be a part of. So, uh, how did you, like, how did you go about playing someone you're related to? Was, did you put pressure on yourself to, like, play it in any certain way? Or did you just kind of, I don't know, do it, like, make the role, like, who you knew as you were growing up? For me, I did not feel pressure because I knew that I would know my Nana better than anybody trying to tell me what to do. That 
though does not mean that I didn't listen to direction. If anything, I was like, this is how I'm going to play it. And they said, this is a very different take on it and we love it because it is so different and so accurate. But here are some things that we would like you to hit while doing that. And it was such a collaborative process and a respectful process on both ends. Um, you know, even though this is a show about my family, I am a company member, I am under contract, I know that I need to maintain a, a level of professionalism even more so because I am doing a show that represents my family, so word gets around quickly about how people act. And so I really, I said to myself, I'm just going to play my Nana the way I know her. And it's easy to play Mary as a villain. How, the, how she is set up can very easily be played as a villain. And she wasn't. She was a woman that loved my grandpa dearly and was heartbroken when they broke up. And they were in the 50s. They didn't go to therapy. They yelled at each other. <laughs> but I really wanted to make it a point to have the audience understand my Nana's vulnerability and her sensitivity and that her leaving my grandpa was the very last thing she wanted to do, but it was the final straw and she had to do it. And so I felt very comfortable playing my Nana the way I knew her and have it be so wonderfully received from our creative team and then through the audience too. So it felt really, I, I felt good. I didn't feel scared or nervous. I just felt ready. I felt ready to work. I felt ready to tell this story. And I just felt so much pride, so much pride to finally represent my family and honor them the, in a way that not many people can. I mean, I'm the first actor in theater history to play a direct relative of somebody in a show. Yes. Not like loosely based either, like actual and factual name, address, location, like everything that was happening was direct, a direct, basically biopic in a sense. So it was, it was really cool. It was really, really, really cool. And now your name is in history. So yeah. <laughs> for Jersey like, Boys, an iconic show. Yeah, truly yeah. iconic. I'm, I'm lucky to, somebody made the point to me that I have been in two iconic shows and have done so much before the age of 26, because I just turned 27. Um, and so that felt really cool because once again, it's nice to know that my hard work is being recognized but also that there is so much work to do. And I love working, so I can't wait to like keep diving into that. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, speaking of that, uh, well, actually, before I get to th this question, what's your favorite song by Four Seasons? Oh, uh, Native New Yorker. It's not, in, it's not in the show, but it's my favorite. It's my favorite show. And then I think my favorite show um, in the show if that's your next question, I'm so sorry no. that I ruined it. No, um, answer it. I'm good. My favorite, show, my favorite song to perform was the finale. It, um, we all sing Who Loves You. That was the coolest part ever. And I'm sure you heard all these songs like constantly like growing up, yeah? Or oh yeah, I always went to see my grandpa perform and we would always sing together. Like he'll still sing to me on the phone. Like he was singing me a Tony Bennett song like two weeks ago, like, and he's 85 and like still has it. He's the coolest. like, just sing to me always. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm like, this is awesome. 
it's like me with all of you who play alpha i'm like oh my god please just like keep singing it yes <laughs> uh, my next question was what's your dream role on broadway right now my favorite is i mean my dream role i would love to play janice and mean girls oh love yes. to play Janice. i would love to be alpha on broadway I would like to be Fontaine and Les Mis if they ever brought it back. Um, I love those 80s musicals. God, they're so good. Um, and then I'd like to play Lucy in Jekyll and Hyde. Okay. Yeah. It's, see, the Fontaine is interesting because I feel like it can be like a crossover role with people who have the alphabet voice. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I feel like not everyone realizes that. And I'm like, yes. People like, are playing like, Fontaine. Exactly. I, and it's just so well done. I love that part. I love her. She's just, I love that show. A lot of people, you're either, I hear that you're either a Phantom or a Les Mis fan, and I'm definitely a Les Mis fan. Yeah. yeah. Like, totally. I saw the movie like 26 times when it was in theaters because I had just seen the O2 version the previous year, so I was obsessed. Yes, so good, so good. I was, yeah, I was absolutely obsessed. Um, if you could give your younger self advice, what would it be? Ooh. Do not let the opinions of others define you or your talent. Only you can do that. Yes. And that would be, that would be the advice I would give. It sounds like you had like a very high school experience in college. Very. Yeah. Very. I'm was, sorry. Oh, no, it's fine. And here's the thing too. Like, I don't have any ill feelings. Like, I just, I really do speak factually about it. Um, all of these people I still talk to and we were all young and insecure and, and dumb. We were all dumb and we all laughed about it. Like, even when we were seniors, it's like, I that guy who said that to me, he apologized to me. Like he, like, so, you know, and not every, not everybody's going to apologize to me who made up rumors that like I got in because of my grandpa. Like my grandpa has not given me a cent of his money. I hate to break it to everybody. He's my grandpa, not my meal ticket. But you know, those people, a lot of people didn't apologize to me, but their actions showed me otherwise. And I have to allow we all have to allow, like, that was, like, eight years ago. Like, if somebody hasn't changed in eight years, I think that's a little ridiculous. People yeah. change, people grow up, people find their own paths, and we were all insecure, and we were all trying to find our way and define ourselves. So, you know, it was, it wasn't the best situation, and I know that I certainly have said some not nice things because I was in that environment, and it was the environment we were in. Yeah which I apologized for and, you know, took accountability for, you know, I'm, I'm also not this patron saint. Like I'm a person who was a young girl trying to find her place. In a competitive industry. Very. And now it's, I have the wisdom to know that that is not how you do things. And I haven't conducted myself like that. So, you know, yeah. we learn, that's how we learn. And it's not great to admit that like, I was not a nice person, but I'm also human. Sure. You know, we all do not nice things. So yeah. anyone who says otherwise is a liar. Yeah. And lying is also bad. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. 
<laughs> so, I mean, uh, what advice would you have to someone auditioning for theater? Ooh, trust yourself. Do not give them what you think they want. Give them what you want. Just do whatever feels right for yourself in that moment because that will read as the most authentic and the most compelling storytelling. And um, what do you think live theater will be like when it does come back, it, when it's able to come back safely? Deep question. <laughs> well, in theory, I really hope that we see equitable change for our BIPOC community. Um, and we create spaces and tables. We smash the old tables and we've created new tables that allow um, by POC members, BIPOC members, I still get confused with the uh, wording, so I'm very sorry if I get it wrong. Um, we create space so that there is equitability for everybody. And we've, we have new black writers, we have new um we have we sorry it's very deep um we have um producers and people behind the table that allow the bipoc community to feel safe to perform as they are without backlash um i hope that all the people who have spoken out feel safe and comfortable getting back into theater and not have their um, safety, their jobs, or anything about them personally be threatened. Um, but then I really, I think that there will be a deeper appreciation for theater. I think that there will be more new works and maybe not as many movie musicals, which I love and they serve a purpose, but I really wanna see original works. I think it's time we see that. I think that there will be new theaters, new playwrights, new everything, but I also think that there might be a lot of uncertainty with people who are currently employed because a lot of people might leave this industry because we don't know when it's going to come back. Yeah. And so I think that overall there will be, in my opinion, and hopefully what I hope to see is more just more love going around and that like we're all in equal playing fields right now and we're all struggling right now and so we take we take our humble selves and we've removed our ego enough to come together and allow a stronger community a really really strong community that fights for each other and creates space for each other that's what i hope I hope so too. Uh, do you think that virtual theater will stick around for a while and like the Broadway HD vault will continue to grow? I think the Broadway HD vault will continue to grow, but I think the second we can have real theater, virtual theater will be no more. I mean, listen, I love a boot. I love the Broadway HD. I think the, the bootleg conversation like is like the least of our problems the least of our problems, there are literally people dying and not everybody can afford theater. Not everyone can go to a theater. Not everybody has the funds 
to even book a hotel, to then book in the restaurant and then book the flight and then book a $600 ticket. Like, so yes, of course. Is it illegal? Yes, but it is illegal, but we've created a system that has become outdated. If every single show had a Broadway HD file that you could purchase for $5, this wouldn't be a problem. And like bootlegs don't make people not want to go see shows. Like I've seen bootlegs, I've seen bootlegs, okay? And I was like, wow, I can't wait to see this in person. And then the next week I went. So I'm not sure where that conversation is coming from. But I also understand that like, yes, it's illegal and blah, 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 but it's the system itself that is the problem. And bootlegging is just the branch of that system. And the real problem is accessibility and affordability. So that's what I also hope changes. I hope that beer is more accessible and more affordable because I don't want to spend $300 for a ticket. And that's when I was making money. Like I still don't want to. Yeah. That's why the lottery system and the rush system is so great. But for the rush system, you have to wake up at like, who knows what time for certain shows. And you get like sometimes not so great seats and it's like, you're there. Why, yeah. why can't you get the same accessibility as somebody else? Yeah. You know, I know that boot, I know that that whole conversation is very layered and I'm aware of that, but if we're speaking from the side of accessibility, not everybody has that accessibility. So I hope that that is the real root of the problem that changes. Yes, I want to be able to take more of my friends to theater who are like, no, I can't afford to go this weekend. Or I was going to go see six and then I couldn't obviously because of Rona, but then also because it was expensive. I feel like you went in one of my dream cast for six, but. (laughs) I would love to be in six too, so please. I have like three different dream casts for six. One is an LA cast, then one is a like future Broadway cast. So. I love your mind. I, I mean, I'm brainstorming all the time. <laughs> Lastly, have you been working on anything in quarantine, whether it's singing or any like craft that you'd um, want to talk about or promote? I created a podcast with my best friend called What's Your Backup Plan? And it, we interview artists. So that is not just actors. That is any creative folk um, about how they are dealing with COVID and how they are staying inspired and creative while our industry is shut down and that what we do doesn't require a backup plan. Because I hate that question. So what's your backup plan? Or like, so what's next? And like, listen, I know that's all well-intentioned. I totally get it. I'm not mad at the person. Um, And I'm not mad at anybody who's ever said it because that's ridiculous. But it's, it's, a, it's a challenge to that question. So what's your backup plan when this doesn't work out? Not everybody wants to be a Broadway star. Some people just want to perform. So we, act, so we ask um, people what they do during this time to stay inspired. Um, I have been recording a lot of covers, but I've also, uh, I have been recording uh, professionally. And in theory, in a couple of months, I will have a song coming out with uh, a very well-known artist which is very cool. Um, I, that's, all, that's all very loose plans, but 
that's in theory what's happening. I wrote a song last year that my brother produced um, and it will be a track of his. So I think that's coming out in the fall, but I'm really just working on covers and taking classes and just trying to stay really creative and inspired. And I, that's, those are the words I use all the time for the podcast I do with my best friend, Fiona McIntyre, but it's true. Like it's yeah. so hard to feel excited about anything right now. And so we created this one to keep us excited for something, but to also give hope to everybody else who needs it right now. A lot of people do need it. Yeah. So if so. you want to, so if you want to listen to our podcast we have a lot of episodes and we're dropping a lot of episodes soon um we have a really big announcement coming up um you can follow us at what's your backup plan on instagram and we are on all streaming platforms so apple Podcasts, spotify google play everything anything you need we are there i love that i'm gonna have to listen to the to that after this You'll really like it. I hope you really yeah. like it. <laughs> oh, I will. I will. And I'm excited that you have a song possibly coming out soon. Yeah, it'll be fun. So uh, to get more info on that, where can people follow you on social media? You can follow me at Olivia F. Valley on Instagram. Uh, you can follow me at Olivia Valley on Twitter. Um, and then... Yeah, that's kind of it. I'm, I'm really, st- I, I try to keep people more up to date on my Instagram. Uh, so that's the best place to follow me. On Twitter, I'm just an idiot, so. <laughs> as, as all of us are. I'm like, I like like stuff and I'm like, oh, people definitely want to know this about my life right now. Yeah, I'm like, I talked about a cake I was making. I was like, no one cares, but I care. It's my Twitter, so I don't know what to tell you all. Yeah, and like people want to know how cute my dog is twenty four seven on Twitter and Instagram. So right, we love dogs. Yeah, we yeah. Well, I have a couple Instagram questions real quick because I'm yeah. making teasers for Instagram. But thanks for talking to me on this again. Thank you for having me. Of course. Thanks for watching this episode of Backstage with Becca B. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Becca B Talks TV. Or for more exclusive content from this interview and more, you can follow me on. Instagram and Facebook at Backstage with Becca B. Make sure to subscribe to my channel and like this video and I'll see you guys next time. Bye.